Greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, December the 5th. It's the second Sunday, second week of Advent. We're continuing in our study of the Thessalonians today, picking up with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through verse 5 of chapter 3. Listen as I read, reading from the ESV, with a, subte- with a subtext to stand firm. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, so that we may may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. We live in a difficult time. Division, conflict, they, they seem to be almost the currency of the age that we trade in. Many are saying that faith in a God of love, of power and justice is, is just too difficult to maintain. To many, compromise with the world rather than challenge <clears throat> certainly seems preferable. Compromise has become the spirit of the age and despair comes easily to our hearts. That's, that's the way it is today and that is the way it was for the Thessalonian believers 2,000 years ago. That, and that's why Paul wrote to them the, the two letters which, we're, which we've been studying. And in the second letter, Paul writes this, this wonderful passage of comfort and assurance. And here in the second chapter, beginning with verse 13, but we bound to give thanks to God always for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you from the beginning to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word or by mouth or by letter. Excuse me, that's chapter 2, verses 13 and 15. These words follow uh, Paul's description of the terrible conditions which which are going to happen, which the world will be under uh, the Antichrist at the end of the age. And the section begins with the word but, B-U-T, which we've already uh, described as a corner word. Something is going to shift, something is going to change, but signals that that Paul's about to shift from the bad news to the good news. He is saying that no matter how bad things become in the world, believers, Christians, are expected to be different. And what makes that difference possible is stated here by Paul in this highly condensed form. And this, this amazing passage is packed with lots of profound truth. And I don't think Paul was ever worried about whether or not he had an academic degree. But if we had to confer a degree on Paul, it, we'd give him the, the MTT degree, the Master of Thumbnail Theology. 
You see, he simply is amazing at stating the truth in really highly condensed forms, as we see here. And these verses are, are found aspects of truth which these Thessalonians needed to steady them, right, in these times that they're in. First, he says that the process of standing firm in the midst of a troubled world begins with the love of God for mankind. We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. You see, we seem to resist believing this truth despite the fact that the Scripture lays much emphasis all throughout the Scripture on God's love for us. We're so conscious of our own failure that although we, we hide it, right, from others, the mess that we've made of our lives, we know that we have not even measured up to our own hopes, to our own standards, let alone to God's. So we have a real hard time believing that God could love us. But Scripture everywhere begins on that basis. You know, most maybe the most quoted verse in the New Testament, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16, of course. How amazing to know that God loves us even though he knows everything about us. He knows our likes and dislikes, the wrong things we have done, the evil thoughts, the whole sorry mess, but he still loves us. What a wonderful thing it is to know that God loves our broken and hurting race. Because God loves us, says Paul. He chose us. He began to call us individually, drawing us to himself. Jesus puts it very plainly when he said, No one can come to the Father except the Father draws him. Six John 6, 4, 4. More than any other verse in Scripture, perhaps, those words express the fact of God's call. The purpose which God had in mind in calling us, Paul says, is that we might be saved. Salvation is his objective. That's the goal. That's, that word gathers up a great deal of truth in Scripture. It includes conversion, regeneration, the Holy Spirit living within us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and other changes that happen. But fundamentally, salvation means that our relationship to God has been changed, just altered. He no longer looks on us as aliens and strangers drifting along in the wicked and fallen world. But he now looks on us as children, dear ones, who become his children through faith in his son. That is the process of salvation. We have been selected out of the perishing world around us. And the process, according to Paul, is that through sanctification by the Holy Spirit. That's that's God's part. Theologians debate whether this should be translated with a with a capital S, the Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit, or a small s referring to the human spirit. But it but it does not really make any difference for from when we come to Jesus, our human spirit, little s, is invaded by the Holy Spirit. Big S. That, that is the act that the Bible calls regeneration, being born again, a new beginning. The human side of that same process is belief in the truth, Paul says. I do not think it's, it's possible to say which comes first, whether we believe in the truth before we're invaded by the Holy Spirit, or are we invaded by the Holy Spirit and then we believe in the truth. But somewhere along the line, a choice of the will has to be made. You see, we can't come to Christ by merely sitting in a church. We must believe that what God has said applies to me individually, to us, 
that what he says he will do and is prepared to do. When, when we believe the truth, we are also invaded by the Holy Spirit. And the step that brings us to that is, is to be called through the gospel. This, this refers to the teaching, the proclamation of the good news. Somewhere along the line, we must hear what God offers to do. Perhaps it was in a conversation somewhere or, or through reading the Bible, hearing something said in a church, at a Young Life camp or club, a campus meeting. Maybe it was a coffee shop. Maybe it was watching YouTube. But at some point, we heard what God promised to do for Jesus' sake, and we believed what we heard. So we were changed by the Spirit. And God's goal, according to Paul, is so that we may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what amazing promise that we should someday share the triumph of the cross with Jesus himself. And yet, that is the staggering promise of Scripture. No matter how obscure and unknown we may have been on earth, one day God's going to unveil before the whole universe what he's been doing through the centuries and bringing together a people who will share his glory. To the Colossians, Paul said, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall appear with him also in glory. And the writer of Hebrews says that God is bringing many sons to glory. That is God's work throughout history and in, and in our world today. Now, you can see what I meant when I said that these verses constitute this amazing, sweeping Christian theological truth. But here in a nutshell, Paul presents deep theological truth in this amazingly, marvelously compact way. Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse, form of of uh, the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia had said this, a, g- a gift for putting things in, in brief format. We have a relationship that can never be changed. We are children of the Most High. We have a righteousness that can never be tarnished, the very righteousness of Christ himself. We have a resource that can never be diminished. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. We have a peace that can never be destroyed. It is the God of peace himself. We have a joy that can never be surpassed. The scriptures call it joy unspeakable and full of glory. We have a love that will never let us go. God's unconditional love. We have an intercessor whose prayers can never go unanswered. It's the spirit of Jesus Christ within us. We have a sovereign Lord who can never lose control. The King of Kings himself. And if all that is true, then it is no wonder that Paul goes on to say to the Thessalonians, So then, beloved, as a result of all this, beloved, Paul is saying, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word or by mouth or by letter. Two activities, says Paul, are possible despite the hard times that they were going through. They could stand fast. And they could hold fast, stand fast, not give in under pressure and hold fast. Do not give up the truth more than anything else. This, this current generations of believers, we need to hear these words again to stand fast. Paul is saying that we already have, have what it takes to do. So what we need to do is to draw on the resources that he has made available to choose to live accordingly. Take God at his word. There's no reason to quit or to give in to evil. God has given us what it takes to handle the pressures. 
What we need to do is to review our resources. And that is what believers must do when the pressure comes. When we feel like complaining, murmuring, we have to remember that God has made us to be. And what he has promised for us is in times of stress is himself. God is, stay, is saying to us as well, stand fast. And then second, hold fast. Hold fast the traditions you were taught by us, either by word or by mouth or by letter. Paul's, Paul's speaking of, of truth. Our New Testament comes to us from the hands of, of, of the apostles who heard the Lord Jesus, having been taught directly by him while he was still on earth. And afterwards, through appearances or visions, Traditions is what Paul calls these teachings, but they are, they're not the traditions of men, of mankind, of humanity. These are revelations of the reality from the mind of God who sees things absolutely the way they are. These are truths that were verbally imparted, verbally given to the people of the first century and which have come down to us by means of the letters from their hands. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul commends the Corinthians for what he calls maintaining the traditions which he had delivered to them in 1 Corinthians 11 too. One of those was, was the Lord's table, the, the, was communion, God's visual aid to help us grasp the mystery and the marvel of the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what it cost him that we might be saved and changed and what it means to us now in terms of new life and, and resurrection power. As we gather at, at the Lord's table, we are maintaining the traditions. When we read and study the word, we are also maintaining the apostolic traditions that were delivered to, to humanity, to men and women. It is impossible to stand fast unless we also hold fast. God expects his people to stand fast because they hold fast the traditions of the truth. Weakness quickly follows when any individual or church forgets the apostolic teaching. Nothing takes the place of the scriptures. To the Pharisees, Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them you think you will find eternal life, but they are what gives testimony to me, John 5, 39. So do not look into the scriptures to find rules on how to live, but look into them to find Jesus, the refuge, the resource of the believer at all times. In the brief prayer which follows, Paul applies all of this to, to the Thessalonians. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loves us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Here Paul's underlining what he has been saying all along, that the great resource of the believer is God himself. When we are in trouble, expect God, who is our defense, to supply strength so that we can hold steady. Watch him as he works to unfold some kind of solution to our difficulty. The Thessalonians had already experienced this supply when they first came to Jesus. He who loves us, Paul says, and gave us eternal comfort. That's that sense of acceptance before him also gave us good hope that's the promise of a of, of something different all of us that all of that is already ours because of grace through grace god's free gift to us and paul finally ex, expects that to continue god will comfort your hearts he's going to reassure you and establish us in every good work and word 
steady and strengthen us when we're in trouble. We can count on that. He will give us the strength to do what we need to do if we choose to do it. What all this means when it's applied to daily life is that believers already have the power to do what they ought to do. We can put an end to our bad habits. We're not bound or limited by by that except as we choose to be because the power of God is equal to it if we decide to stop. It's greater than it. Struggle against these things will not be eliminated. But we will have the strength to keep on fighting day after day until the battle's won. You know, if it's our temper that's causing problems, that can change. If it's we have a critical spirit, we can we can become a changed person. Because of Jesus, we have the power to do it. God will establish, he will strengthen and support us to enable you to do so. The opening word of chapter three is that everyone likes to hear in the church. Finally. Have you ever been to a banquet or something and someone was introduced as a man who needs no introduction, but who could sure stand a conclusion? Well, here Paul extends what he's been saying to where he is now living and working, the city of Corinth, and asked the Thessalonians to pray for him. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed on and triumph as it did among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. Writing from the city of Corinth. It's often compared to San Francisco of the ancient world. Paul is is asking that the same thing happened there as had occurred in Thessalonica. God had, had blessed Paul's work there. In three short weeks of preaching in the synagogue, God had established a church calling people out of darkness and ritual in which they had been been bound to. And now they're partaking in a living and a vibrant church. You see, that's the power of the word of God. Just as the word spread rapidly among them, revealing its glory and its ability to change people. Paul now asked for prayer that the darkness of Corinth be similarly penetrated by the gospel. And the second thing which Paul asked in prayer for is protection, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. And that last phrase suggests that the opposition he faced was coming from maybe within the church itself. There were people in the church who claimed to be believers, but they had no real faith, and they're making things difficult for Paul. It's interesting to note that he does not ask for the elimination of this opposition, but only that he might be delivered through it. God does not often take our trials away. What he does promise is that he will take us through it. We do not need to fail or give in to wrongful activity because he has already given us what it takes. This reminds Paul of, of this similar need in Thessalonica. So he closes this section with a word to them again. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things which we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. God is faithful. We do not have to worry about him. He will never fail us, but will always deliver us if we trust him. Also, Paul knew the Thessalonians well enough to know that they would make the choices that they would release the power of God, their obedience. So they could have everything they needed, which consists of two things, the love of God and the patience of Jesus. 
And that's also what we need today. So, so are we keeping ourselves in the love of God? That is what will give us a sense of security, of worth, a sense of being wanted and needed. It, it makes no difference what people think about us. If God is for us, who can be against us, Romans 8 says. Remind ourselves of the love of God throughout the day. Think through what Paul has written about in this section. Keep ourselves in the love of God, and he will give us the patience of Jesus, the willingness to wait and to watch him work things out. The Lord never became upset and angry at the resistance that he encountered. He did not despair through all the terrible trials that he had to endure, but rather he committed himself to him who was able. That's what he committed himself to. And he waited for him to work. Romans 16 and Ephesians 3. And that's surely what we need to do today. The love of God gives us security and the patience of Jesus gives us consistency, the quality that that this world needs more than anything else. Christians should be the same day in and day out. We should refuse to become upset and thrown off by circumstances so that we end up responding like the world around us does. Stand fast and hold fast. God will see us through to the day when we will share the glory of Christ. Amen, and God bless.